alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. the fourth annual now uh, subliminal deception podcast your weekly podcast about uh, conspiracy theories and all the bullshit surrounding them my name is cody and i'm joined by my pal phil how are you doing great cody how are you (laughs) oh i'm you know what phil i'm gonna say this there's some witchcraft going on in minnesota right now because it was 60 degrees yesterday. I'm not even making this up. And now it is a fucking blizzard outside. I don't know who's controlling the weather machine, but stop it, okay? Seriously, there's a blizzard? I swear to God. It's supposed to be a blizzard for the next three days, and it's supposed to be like eight to whatever inches. Just ridiculous. Why can't we just... I thought the weather, I thought the weather was turning around. That's what I thought, too. Like I said, it was 60... You know, I was walking around with just a t-shirt on, and I was enjoying the weather, enjoying the sun, and now it's fucking snowing outside. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. It was uh, here, well, yesterday it was about, I'd say it topped off at about 87, <laughs> 89 degrees during the day. And then today, it got like, really, it dropped down to probably about 70 and it's really windy outside. Like, all I can hear right now is wind chimes <sighs> from the old crusty neighbor's yard. <laughs> I can say I'm a bit jealous, but uh, I hear you have a story that you'd like to tell the audience. Well, not really a story. It <laughs> was, uh, so I had my guard weekend this past weekend, and right. I had to update all my information, which included um, updating my basic information, like names, uh address, all of that stuff, phone number. But also what comes with that is updating your religion, which goes on your dog tags. Okay. So basically the last time I updated my religion was probably about eight years ago and there wasn't any uh, atheist or agnostic uh, choice back then. So I ended up having to put Christian non-denominational, but they, uh, this time around, they actually had a lot of uh, really good options. Uh, I was kind of surprised. But uh, so some of them, well, of course, what everyone military, you always hear, oh, you can change it to Jedi or you can change it to Sith. I checked. You could not. There was no <laughs> Jedi, no Sith. I wanted to find Jedi Knight or Sith Lord. Sith Lord, I would have preferred, but there, there was no Sith Lord. I did find some pretty fun ones. I was thinking about changing it to, but if I ever kick the bucket, then – uh. All of my family and all of you, you know, yeah. you and all my friends back home would probably come to a pretty weird funeral. So <laughs> some of uh, some of the weird ones I found. So now apparently they have three different kinds of Wicca. Okay. Uh, well, I think yeah, I've never I, I never saw a Wicca on there before. I so. think it's uh, Wicca, Wiccan, and I can't remember what the other one is. I think it's just like basically like a spiritual version of it, I think, or something like that with Satanism on there. No, I actually looked for that. Satanism what? was not on there. I know. It's actually – it's a legitimate religion that you should be able to pick. I remember there was a girl I went to tech school with 
she was in, you know, she had the ring on and everything. Mm. Um, let me think. There was actually Heathen on there too. <laughs> Heathen was on there. Like, I thought it was like a misspelling of heaven something, but no, it was H E A T H E N. Heathen was on there. That was pretty cool. Was Heaven's uh, Gate on there? No, Heaven's Gate was not on there. <laughs> they did have every single kind of like religious cult. Scientology wasn't on there. They had every type of like Christian cult you could think of, like <laughs> Jesus Christ, Church Christian, all uh -huh. those. Your boy, uh, your boy Jordan would love this one. They had uh, guess what they had for him? What Celtic? No, Druid. Oh, well, that is a Celtic religion. Is that Celtic? Yeah, that's Celtic. Oh yeah, I suppose that is. Even though I'm pretty sure he's not remotely close to Irish or Scottish at all, but uh... <laughs> that's the name of his band, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they named it that, but yeah, it is. God, that's shitty. Well, I mean, I assume most people who would listen to this understand that Satanism is basically, or modern day Satanism is just atheists with like cool uh, clothing and shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've kind of heard that there are still some holdouts from like the old way of doing things, but what yeah, you, no, what it's, do you mean? it's just people who want to troll yeah. religious people. Well, they have Satanism and then they have devil worshipers, I think is t kind of what you're probably talking about. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, obviously there are people out there who still, you know, <laughs> the Crowley, all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of my buddies at work actually told me that they were possibly going on a deployment and he was in, he's in the army and he said that they actually allowed them to type in whatever they wanted and then they approved it later on. So apparently what did get through was Jedi <laughs> and Manhore. Wow. Manhor made it through. Yeah. <laughs> what he said, get this though, what he said didn't make it through was Jedi. Oh no, Sith Lord, sorry. Sith Lord didn't make it through. And also vegan didn't make it through. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Somebody tried to put vegan up there and it did not go through. That's, so. that's kind of weird. I mean, I can kind of understand the Sith if they're like, oh, we can't have anything negative. But vegan? What the hell? That's kind of weird. Yeah, vegans, I guess you're just not recognized. But uh, <laughs> this was a few years ago. So. Ah. Well, anyway, Phil, so I hear that you have an amazing tale for us today. I do. Uh it is what's referred to as the Kecksburg incident, okay. just outside of Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. Okay, the the land of the Amish people. Yep this uh, this was back <laughs> in the '60s, so it was a lot of uh, small time farmers and okay. just a little community, much like the one that we grew up in. <laughs> you know what? I've never heard of this, so I'm quite excited to hear the story. Well, then I'll uh, I'll get started. <laughs> Fire away. Before I get started, the event occurred in 1965. But I accidentally said 1969 throughout the episode. So on the night of December 9th, 1969, a 16-year-old boy by the name of Stan Gordon was listening to his favorite radio station in his room when a message interrupted his program, claiming that a fireball had streaked across the sky <laughs> over multiple states, including the province of Ontario in Canada. Continuing reports claimed that the fireball had come down outside of Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, across town from where the team's home was. On a hilltop overlooking a ravine in a wooded area, a crowd began to form, looking at what appeared to be a large blue glowing light where the fireball was reported to have come down. 
Okay. Yeah. So basically, uh, all of these people started gathering once they heard the radio was pretty much still a big part of uh, people's lives back then. Right. And right. These reports came in from all over the place. You got to imagine this flew over Ontario, Michigan, Pennsylvania. It was just basically all over the the Great Lakes region. So, so what you're saying is their reports, they're basically um, suspecting that the UFO or whatever it is traveled that distance based on where the reports were coming in from witnesses, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, there were um, basically a lot of amateur astronomers calling in. There were police departments calling in. Other radio stations were reporting this and sending them the word on. Um, this was a big, big ordeal. Okay. Um, in this area, did they did they give like a time frame of how fast it traveled, or did they not know that? I did not really get that. I know that this happened. Basically, it was dusk, just coming on a nightfall. Okay, is when my the the first witness or the the next witness um, actually goes. He's a part of the crowd, so he kind of tells a little bit about. Uh, let me tell you about him. Okay. So according to Bill Bulbosh, yeah, I love that name. Yeah, it's a it's a powerful name. (laughs) So he he claimed to have witnessed the fireball coming across the sky and down in the woods. He claimed that the object slowed and turned slightly before it made what looked like a controlled landing, more than what was reported later on as a crash. Okay. Now this will be important. Uh, later on when I tell what the official story from the government is. Okay. So Mr. What was his last name again? Bullbosh. <laughs> so Mr. B-U-L-E Bosch. <laughs> so Mr. Bullbosh is saying that he, he witnessed the thing crash. Yeah. He witnessed it come down in the woods. Okay. Um, All right. He had a pretty, according to this witness, he had a pretty good view of it and he was right on the scene. So, oh, okay. So this is uh so what year did you say this was again? Uh 1969. Okay. So this is almost like a Phoenix Lights scenario almost. Yeah, so there were a lot of witnesses who claimed to have seen this. Obviously it was before uh people had video cameras on right. hand. Uh I mean, people might have had a camera, but back <laughs> then in order to take a picture you'd have had to have yeah, had that camera on you. You can't so. just pull the shit out of your pocket and. Yeah, no, not with the cameras they had back then. No, okay, all right. So this is uh, so this is pretty intriguing, actually. I wonder, I'm curious to know more about it. Yeah, so, uh, Mr. Bullbosch claims that later that night he joined the forming <laughs> crowd of onlookers on the hill, and that's when the police and soldiers set upon the growing crowd and forced them all to leave. Oh. Even telling Bill to leave his car, well, leave in his car, excuse me, or have it towed. Other witnesses reported that the soldiers forced the residents off of the hill, even pointing their firearms at the civilians. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's awfully suspicious. Yeah, so that kind of sounds a little weird to me. Uh, all of the, basically all of the rifle training I've ever had was, always kind of starts off with, don't point your weapon at anything that you don't intend on shooting right so to hear that these soldiers pointed their weapons i mean it was it was the 60s yeah. i mean kent state was about to happen it's you know i was gonna say like eh, you know what uh times or people were a little different back then yeah back then you could probably get away with pointing your 
your weapon at someone. But <laughs> I mean, having your we- having a weapon pointed at you is. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had it happen to you, but not just the the feeling. Even when you're turned around, you can feel the weapon pointing yeah. at you. It's it's a yeah. weird feeling. Yeah, I yeah I completely understand that. Well, okay, maybe you will know. Wasn't that around this time when the the military shot those college students who were protesting? Yeah, so uh, Kent State. Okay, that was where um, it was. Those were okay. yeah, those were National Guards. Okay. Um, and that was after a few days of protesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, the the even even back then the opinion well. I mean, the opinion was pretty split about the whole Kent State massacre. A lot of people thought that the soldiers were justified in shooting at them. Hmm. So uh, uh, it was a pretty pretty crazy time. Yeah, I could imagine. So so right now, what you're saying is the soldiers aren't necessarily they're threatening them, but it's more to like just disperse them. Yeah, they're trying to disperse the crowd. They're trying to quarantine the area, hmm. uh, supposedly, and. Um, get rid of any onlookers for what they might uh pull out of the woods okay so this clearly isn't just like a uh probably not just a weather balloon or swamp gas or something (laughs) yeah so it's uh it's gonna be a little bit harder harder to explain away um than just uh just a random occurrence but the government's gonna try (laughs) Uh, as as you'll hear they always do Yeah. So Stan Gordon, the 16 year old listening to the radio from his room, uh, continued to listen to reports throughout the night. And when he woke up the next morning, he was surprised to hear reports that the official government story was that a meteor had crashed in the woods outside of Kecksburg. Hmm. So the reporters that went on the radio and television the night before were now pushing the official story promoting the meteor strike rather than um, basically the information that they were giving out the night before. Well, three, theoretically, what you said is it was a blue light streaking through the sky, right? Well, no. So it was – when it was in the sky, it was a fireball. Okay. But when it was on the ground, it was a blue light, a okay. large blue light. So I guess if it was a fireball in the sky, technically it could kind of look like a meteor. Yeah, you could mistake it uh, for a meteor, one with a pretty shallow angle coming in. Right. You know what? That that brings up a good point that's kind of weird. It's like when you hear about UFOs and shit, you never – when they enter the atmosphere, you never see them like catch fire or anything or like you never hear about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've also um, – it's always been just random lights. It's never – you never see like even Independence Day when that UFO came in, it had that <laughs> big cloud of like mist around yeah, it and yeah. it was really – you know, you could tell that it entered the atmosphere. UFOs, you never hear of them entering the atmosphere. That's right. That's a good point. And uh, let's let's let everybody know Independence Day is actually a documentary, not a film film. <laughs> <laughs> First one's great. True Second one is yeah. fucking trash. Oh, my God. I couldn't even finish oh, yeah, it. Definitely. Couldn't even finish it. Yeah, I was thinking about walking out in the th- of the theater <laughs> oh, when I watched it. Oh, well, it once was, you got cash on the line. Well, once you got cash on the line, it's a little hard to walk out of there. <laughs> Yeah, I almost walked out on Last Jedi, but that's pretty close. <laughs> anyway. All right. One uh also along with the story that it was a meteor strike, um, the Air Force claimed that it was only a small group of three scientists that investigated the scene, and that the three men were the only government officials at the scene entirely. This completely contradicts the reports from uh all of the witnesses. <laughs> 
that stated many, many soldiers and government officials descend upon the small farming town that <laughs> night. Pretty hard to hide all them bodies from witnesses. Yeah, there were, I mean, the reports of trucks coming in and out, <laughs> all of the people in what they called spacesuits, and just mm. the soldiers patrolling the area, uh, forcing all of the witnesses out. I mean, but they still claimed that there was only three of them there. Three scientists, not soldiers. This kind of makes sense because right around this time was like a big, big time for UFO stuff too. Yeah, it was a huge time. I mean, it was really – it really picked up after World War II. Right. Uh, with the Foo Fighters and all of the soldiers coming back home talking about what they saw. And you had uh, – what year was Roswell? Was that 57? 47. It was 47. Okay. And then I think the Benny and Barney – Betty and Barney Hill was in the 60s, I believe. That was a really big one. There's like a they, lot of... Uh, yeah, they, I don't think that they immediately told their story, though. Did yeah. they? Uh, I can't remember. It's been a while since I've heard it, but it's a crazy story. Yeah, nowadays that's a huge story. Well, I guess, uh, I guess you're still. right. I guess you're right because they had to go through the hypnotic regression and all that to like extract that information. Yeah, it uh, it did take a little bit of time, but right. yeah, I mean, UFOs were it was a very popular time for UFOs, mm, right? So, uh, one report of actual government officials on the ground came from John Hayes. At the time, uh, he was just a young boy. Um, he was staying up late with his little brother. He was also listening to the radio broadcasts and listening to the reports on the alleged fireball, hmm. and. So John heard um, vehicles driving outside of his home and lights pulling into his driveway. So he went to his window and investigated and saw soldiers outside of his window. He went out to his out of his room and into the hallway that looked down on the living room. And he basically saw soldiers setting up a headquarters inside of his home. Apparently, his father had allowed the soldiers inside of the house. Oh, do you think his father was part of the military? Well, I don't know. I didn't read up anything on that. But I know that there are eminent domain kind of laws. What a part of the Constitution, you're not you can't force someone to allow soldiers to take over their house. So he mm -hmm. had I mean, he must have allowed them into the home. Okay. Well, I mean, if this story is true, if you consider like World War Two had ended not that long ago, and then you had uh, Vietnam, so maybe it's like a lot of pro-military people who kind of always trusted them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that that was going on too. So yeah. I mean, when the government back then, you always hear about people who had. UFO sightings and they always whenever the government told them it wasn't what they thought it was they always believed them because <laughs> you were told to believe in your government so I feel like our generation's a lot more skeptical of things like that than like this generation you know what I mean yeah I always kind of think like if there was ever a UFO sighting and the government came out and said <laughs> you're absolutely right it was aliens I'd think in my head like nope bullshit they're covering something yep. else up yep. <laughs> can't be <laughs> I think the whole internet would turn it into a meme or something, not even take it seriously. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't even... No, there'd be nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, he was downstairs kind of uh, peeking in on the soldiers out in his living room, and his brother comes out into the hallway and grabs him and tells him he needs to see something. 
The two boys go out to the window, look outside, and he sees what he claims were men in moon suits talking to each other, hmm. which I assume are either radiation suits or space suits, some okay. other some something like that. I guess the general suit. I was going to say the general public probably didn't know exactly what a rad suit was. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the nuclear the nuclear age was about 20 years old at this time. So I think if this would have been in the 40s, they definitely wouldn't know. But in the 60s, I imagine they might have known. Yeah, uh, yeah, I suppose. But you never, they were, you never like, popularized. Well, this was a rural, rural area in uh, Pennsylvania, I assume. Yes. Well, you know what? Uh, old time information didn't travel that well into the uh, smaller towns of America, I can imagine. Yeah, I think in 1969, he definitely would have known what a spacesuit was. Okay. Because it was huge. The space race was huge at that point. Right. So. Okay. Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. So when the um, when the space the men in the spacesuits were talking to each other, he saw one of their arms and claims that he saw a NASA patch on the arm of one of the men wearing the suits. Hmm. Never- so he claims that there were NASA people there the problem i have with that is how did he know what a nasa patch looks like i mean and why would they be wearing a nasa patch on suits that they wouldn't be wearing out in space it's not like a mission it's not like they had this mission (laughs) set up you know well the only other thing that maybe he remembered seeing the patch and then later in life noticed what the nasa patch looks like and then it's like oh that's what was on there that's a possibility. I didn't really think about that. Yeah. I mean, but. that happens, you know. And plus, remember NASA, never a straight answer. Never forget that. <laughs> That's true. You you folks remember that at home, too. <laughs> I've never actually heard that before. Oh, but. seriously? That's like the big, it's a big thing with the flat earthers. Never a straight answer, NASA. <laughs> never a straight answer. <laughs> All right, so you remember, of course, uh, Mr. Bill Bulbosh, right? Right, right. The gentleman who um, was outside of his vehicle and saw the fireball streaking across the sky? Right. So not only did he join the crowd, but Bill Bulbosh also claims that after he witnessed the fireball, he went off into the woods and even brought a flashlight as it was starting to get dark outside. Okay. As he was going out to the woods, he noticed that the top of the trees and many of the branches were broken and that there seemed to be a trajectory path heading towards the scene. Okay. When Bill when Bill walked up towards the scene, he said that he could smell raw eggs, which he attributed to sulfur, and alleged that he saw in the epicenter of the, uh, the crash scene an acorn-shaped object buried two feet in the ground. Interesting. It was about the size of a Volkswagen. So it's not like your traditional UFO shape. It's a little different. No, it's not. It's not what you would think of flying saucer or cigar shape or anything mm. like that. Okay. So one thing I can say, Mr. Bullbosch, uh nonetheless, if this is true or not, I'm sure he used this to impress some chicks. I know that for certain. I don't really know about that. I mean, you'll hear later on in the story kind of the fallout from the Kecksburg um, incident. Uh, it kind of ripped the town apart. But yeah, I mean, he most definitely got drunk a couple <laughs> times and told this story. I would imagine it's every young boy's goal or goal is to impress the local chicks. So yeah, especially when you're maybe dueling <laughs> over uh, 
a young lady with another dude and you have to one up them, you know? Oh, did you see the fucking UFO? Cause I saw the UFO. <laughs> I'm really important. I'm Mr. Whatever. Uh, so <laughs> I'm Bill fucking Bullbosh. <laughs> uh, so I'll also say this, Mr. Bullbosh is quite brave to be just wandering into a quarantine zone. Yeah. In the interview that I saw, um, they actually interviewed this gentleman later in the future, later on, obviously, but, he said that he didn't really know like what to expect like might come out of this thing like if little green men might come out or <laughs> people or russians you know right. kind of who knows right okay so he said that the object uh, i mentioned that it was acorn shaped right. but the object was seamless and didn't have a single rivet on it and it also had a large band with odd hieroglyphic writing um on it I've heard this. I've heard that before about other UFOs, actually. Yeah, you always hear they always come with some kind of like weird writing hmm. that seems to be a staple of uh, these. Um, like whenever you run into these things, they always have this kind of hieroglyphic like writing that no one can understand. <laughs> You'd think a advanced race would probably have moved past hieroglyphics, but who am I to judge? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe they're. <laughs> Like just kind of, kind of like how we have tail numbers on planes. Mm. They just identify them when like they're that. in the hangar. That could be. It's a good point. So, Bill he claimed that after he started hearing voices coming up behind him, that he left the woods, and that's when he actually walked up to the ravine and joined the crowd. Mm. But for some reason, Bill did not tell the growing crowd that he had went down there and uh, witnessed the craft. So I'm a little bit skeptical. I'm not sure. He says he just kept to himself when he was up there. But he did hear everyone speculating on what might have come down in the woods. I, okay, I can put myself in his shoes a little bit. Like, I can only imagine if I had just witnessed what he did, I might be in a little bit of shock, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is true. I mean... Like, I feel like when I see something that's like crazy as fuck, I kind of just am like... What did I just witness, you know? But that's just me, so. That is true. He might have also worried about what people might think of what he was saying. Yeah, that probably they would have, have stirred up the crowd. People might have, like, ran down there to go see it if that had <laughs> happened, if he had told people about it. I'm surprised that there aren't more reports of people wandering down in the woods, though. If they saw that, like, the large blue light and know that an object crashed there, you would think that they might want to, you know, Go investigate. Well, they but, clearly aren't as brave as he was, I guess. Yeah. People aren't really as brave as they think they are when the chips right. are on the table, though. Right. Yeah, I guess that's a good point, too. So basically, uh, what Bill Bullbosch said about um, seeing all of the government officials around coincides with John Hayes' report. Uh, John Hayes, of course, was the young boy whose home was invaded by the government officials setting up their little headquarters in his living room. Hmm. Um. So Hayes claimed that he woke up the next morning and that all the visitors were gone and that he and his little brother ventured out to the woods. Now, the night before, though, before he went to bed, he witnessed what appeared to be a flatbed truck that had nothing on the back of it going out into the woods. Almost like it was going to transport something out of the woods. Yes. Okay. And then later on, the flatbed truck came out. And it was had something on the back of it that was the size of a small car. He said he didn't get a very good look at it because it was night. But he said that he could tell by the shapes 
that it was a small object on the back. Okay. All right. So when he goes out into the woods the next morning with his little brother to go investigate, the two boys went out into the scene and they also saw broken trees and they found what appeared to be uh, basically like an epicenter where this came down. Basically, they came upon a pile of dirt and the dirt looked very fresh and it did not look like dirt that matched the dirt from the surrounding woods. He claimed that the the dirt from the woods were much was much darker than this dirt. The fresh dirt in the pile was uh, very light in color and he said it looked like it had just been put there to cover something up. Oh, okay. I was for a second I'm like so are you saying that the UFO had dirt on it from somewhere else and dropped it off? And now I see what you're saying. Like they're covering the hole where this thing was. Yeah, it looked – it basically looked like whatever – because according to Bullbosch, the object was two feet in the ground. So they must have dug it out. Basically, John Hayes claims that he and his brother saw the pile of dirt. Now they were kind of investigating the area a little bit, just walking around. Remember, this was just outside of their home. The woods. Right. That's why the military set up shop in his living room. Okay. John claims that he and his brother were approached by a man wearing a radiation suit. <laughs> this man basically comes up upon them and is surprised to see them. He kind of freaks out on them and he tells them to get out of the area <laughs> because there's a high level of radiation. Ah, okay. That kind of makes sense for... I swear I've heard that before, like if a UFO crashes that always leaves radiation everywhere. I swear I've heard that before. Yeah, there's always um, – you always – like whenever there's the indents in the ground from the UFO landing, there's always a lot of dead grass around it and dead plants. And you'll see animals in the area like basically just fall over dead. Right. Like just from what's supposedly the radiation. Okay. But what doesn't cause radiation usually is meteor strikes. Mm, uh, right that's a good point i mean they do come from outer space but you don't get uh, a man in a radiation suit screaming at you to get the fuck out of there <laughs> because no. of a meteor strike right yeah that'd be a little weird i think so i'm curious phil where did you find all your information today uh i got a lot of my information from uh well, most of my information came from uh, History's Mysteries documentary <laughs> from the History Channel. Hell yeah. Uh, that was, I mean, they had a really good documentary. If anyone wants to get the um, get the story from that, it's a pretty good watch. They uh, History Channel doesn't really make documentaries anymore. No. Unless it has to do with American pickers <laughs> or people selling shit in a pawn shop. But yeah, uh, I got a lot of my information, too, from different websites. Uh, Gia is a good one. Okay. Um, yeah, just just random Wikipedia pages and, you know, the most trustful source on the Internet. That's where you get the hard, real news. So <laughs> remember gonna, that, folks. In the, in the conspiracy theory world, the Internet is your oyster. There is anything you could find on that motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, honestly, just type it into <laughs> Google and <laughs> she's your fucking lady. But. Anyway, so – I'm sure everybody else is curious, just like I am. What do you think or what are some possibilities that this could be? Well, so, I mean, really with the possibilities, I'll start off with the easy one. Uh, number one, government story is true. It really was a meteor strike. And uh, basically, 
there were only a few scientists that actually went out there and it was the police that shooed everyone away because it was uh, – mm. there were there were fires. There were – you know who knows what could have happened. So meteor strike comes down, riles everybody up. It's all over the radio. So everyone comes out to witness it. Okay. And then a legend grows around it. Now I'm going to weave another conspiracy theory in with this one that – what if, okay, let's say theoretically it was a meteorite. What if the government knew that there was some like super rare metal or something that, or element on there that they really wanted? So that's why they quarantined people on there. What if it was something like that? It could have been. I mean, the government was very worried about uh, space-borne viruses ah, coming yes. in on meteors. The The thing too is, Meteors aren't just like random rocks out in space. Sometimes a meteor will strike Mars or the moon and those rocks will actually be the ones that enter Earth's atmosphere. Right. I mean, that's the pansperma idea came from the possibility that Mars injected life into the Earth because of this happening. Mm, okay. I so get... imagine a super bug. Yeah. You know, well, I definitely know I've watched like a, it was a History Channel program where they were showing what they go through to launch something into space and how, because they're worried about earthborne diseases going in outer space too, obviously. So like the ship is just like sterilized head to toe before it even launches out of in the atmosphere. You know what I mean? Yeah, there are stories of actually like, I think it was uh, the um, International Space Station. I'm it might, I'm not sure, but apparently one of the people who built one of the parts sneezed on the Ooh. object and it got into the into the International Space Station somehow. And that's actually one of their science experiments was to see if the bacteria that had, was accidentally sneezed on like a piece of glass could actually survive. Hmm. Did you, do you know the answer? I'm not answer? sure if it was a space station, but. Do you know the answer? I have no idea. It was just a random documentary I watched. Hmm. That'd be, but it was I'd, pretty interesting. I'd be curious to see if, like, a bacteria could live in, obviously, space. That'd be that'd be interesting to find that out. You wouldn't think so, but I don't know. No, not in the vacuum of space. No. But there are some little um, bugs, apparently, that can live in extreme... They're called extremophiles. Mm -hmm. um, I forgot exactly what the name of these... This certain like bug is but they can apparently live in basically the deep sea they can live in outer space they can live in hot hmm. cold it doesn't matter they yep. can live in antarctica how uh, they're those They'll little be frozen they're those little nasty fuckers that look like little six-legged bears right yeah that's the that's the one i forgot yeah. what they're called I, th I think it does have something bear in its name i could be yeah, wrong i don't know Apparently, these things can be frozen and then brought back to life again after they're frozen. Like, <laughs> they're pretty rough. Anyway, uh, why don't you – do you got another one for us? Yeah, I've got a few more. So uh, one of the other possibilities is it could have been what the United States uh, has supposedly have been working on at the time, which is a nuclear rocket that was launched from the West Coast. And then instead of going into space like it was supposed to, it may have uh, – exploded and come across the sky put on a trajectory towards pennsylvania now this would explain um the high amount of radiation yeah okay that uh was feared to be in those woods a nuclear basically a nuclear reactor in a rocket 
crashing to earth would be cause for concern and would cause the army to come in there and go ape shit on people. Yeah. So that's that's a good point, actually. And can you imagine if that is what happened and then that got out into the public like, oh, we accidentally nuked Pennsylvania. Ooh, that'd be chaos, dude. Yeah, sorry, folks. Uh, you know that thing last night? That was actually one of ours. It's super top secret, so don't tell anybody. But yeah, uh, so the third reason is kind of similar, but it's actually a Russian space probe known as Cosmos 96. Mm. Now, this this probe was sent to Venus. Uh, really? It was about the size and shape, kind of, of um, what the object was reported to have been in the woods. And it had Russian writing on it, which could have explained the hieroglyphic uh, writing on the band. Okay, now if we're going to believe that this child knew what a radiation suit was and obviously had a big fear of Russia and all of that, that he would know what Russian writing looked like. Oh, this was a this this guy who saw it was in his 20s. Bill Bulbosh. He was he was driving at the time. But but you remember you said that you believe they should know what a radiation suit is. Oh yeah, I think that everyone at the time probably should know what a radiation suit is. Yeah, it's the sixties. I mean, I guess I could see it, but I still think even most people would know what Russian writing looked like. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, it was all over the news: Russia, Cold War. Yeah. Um, you would have seen Russian writing in your life. It's not like it's weird symbols. It looks like English writing, just a little different and in weird order. So Right. Okay, so I got a question for you. So right yes. around this time period was the height of the steel curtain defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers, okay? And their, yeah. their rivals were the Oakland Raiders. Could it be possible that Al Davis launched a nuke trying to wipe out the... Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I wouldn't put it past Al Davis. Uh, <laughs> and John Madden. And John Madden. Him. And John Madden. Don't forget about oh, him. Oh, and John Madden. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even... What what city is this uh, town closest to? Do you know? Kecksburg? I think it's probably closer to Pittsburgh than it is Philadelphia. Okay. All uh, right. <laughs> I would need to look at the map again just to make sure. But it is... They said that it went over the Great Lakes, tip of Ontario, Michigan. So I'm guessing it's more towards the west than the hmm. east. Okay. All right. So the Cosmos 96 um, actually did crash um, during the same time period that the Kecksburg incident took place. But um, reports of the Cosmos 96 crashing um, was actually that it happened hours before the Kecksburg fireball and that it, went, it crash landed in Canada and not the United States. Okay. So the time frames match up, but they aren't perfectly matched. Hmm. Well, it would make sense that if it was a Russian uh, space probe or whatever, the U.S. government would definitely want that. Oh yeah, if it, I mean, and it would be also a, it'd be a big get, but it's something that you really couldn't advertise, right? Because they could, they could take you to court, international court possibly, and get it back from you, or. Make it like make public picking and going against you. So you would have to keep this top secret. Right. Okay. I'm, I, and I, also you're going to pull it apart too. So. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, that's a pretty good theory. I kind of like that one actually. 
Yeah. So number four is, I think, the most obvious one, that it was definitely Alien Crash Landing. Mm. Uh, basically, you know, U.S. government always seems to be Johnny on the spot whenever these aliens crash land. <laughs> so That's right. That's <laughs> a good point. Yep. Uh, obviously, the alien spacecraft was picked up by the truck, hmm. and uh, by morning, the little green men inside were being dissected, and <laughs> you know, just like everything you would imagine. I, you know what? I can say that that's probably the funnest theory. Um, <laughs> but it kind little of green men. <laughs> well, that was a real UFO. I mean, that's fun. That's what we all want, really. And. Have you heard about the Eisenhower document or something where he supposedly signed an agreement with the aliens? Have you heard of this before? Yeah, I have. Uh, you always see the little fake pictures of Eisenhower greeting like a <laughs> seven foot tall gray alien <laughs> and them taking a little picture together. Yeah, I'm sure we'll end up doing an episode on that someday, but uh, that's kind of cool. But I yeah, that would be that'd be a great episode. Uh, so far, I'm, I don't know. So far, I really like the Russian probe theory, but we'll see what else you got. So I've got one more. And uh, this is actually, it sounds kind of crazy, but <laughs> I think it, it matches up pretty well. Have you ever heard of the Nazi bell or Daglaka? <laughs> I mean, I've heard of it. We kind of mentioned it on last week's episode a little bit, but uh, why don't you fill us in? So basically, the Nazi bell was... Um, Nazi technology that uh, was being experimented on uh, towards the end of the war. Now, the Nazi bell was an acorn-shaped object with odd writing around it. Now, the bell-shaped craft was 12 to 15 feet high and roughly 12 feet wide. Now, the Nazi bell used allegedly used <laughs> uh, what's known as red mercury, and it was compressed and spun. Uh, one cylinder spinning clockwise and another cylinder inside that cylinder spinning counterclockwise. So you had liquid metal spinning in two different directions. Hmm. Okay. I feel like I've heard the mercury thing supposedly is a component of like propelling UFOs into the sky and whatever. I swear I've heard that before. Yeah, it can cause like supposedly an electromagnetic field it can cause anti-gravity mm. um the vehicle was even like said to defy gravity and it also when you turned it on it would emit a law a large glow so this does match up with uh the large like blue glow mm. that emanated from those woods okay now if you're saying this nazi bell it is the nazi bell <laughs> Would they have had to time travel and crash there or something? That's a good point. Uh, so basically, <laughs> there's theories uh, that the Nazi scientists who were working on the craft, basically they were working on it in Poland. And towards the end of the, wa the war, the Soviets were invading Poland and coming closer and closer to Germany. Now, allegedly, the Nazi scientists who were working on the bell uh, – there's a lot of different theories about what they did. Some people think that they possibly used the bell to open a portal to travel <laughs> through time. Uh, there's theories out there that Nazis <laughs> visited the moon with this object, hmm. Mars, and possibly the Aldebaran solar system. What I don't know the why they call it that? Solar. Yeah, Aldebaran. Uh, apparently, it's a solar system out 
I just have a bunch of notes written down, so I don't know exactly where this is. But if you do know, though, give us an email. Let us know. Wow, I've never heard of that before. It's weird. It almost sounds made up. But <laughs> so another theory. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so another theory is that the Nazis actually used this device not to open up a portal to tra- to teleport or to go to a different dimension or a different uh, solar system, but they actually used it to time travel. One of the theories is that the Nazi bell was actually used towards the end of the war, spun up, they time traveled out of there, and then they came into ni- the year 1969 and crash landed <laughs> in uh, Pennsylvania. That's one of the theories. You know what? I got to say, if they did that, uh, I don't know. Pennsylvania sounds about the worst place to end up. Yeah, it's really close to Cleveland. But <laughs> and, and in the Pittsburgh. Year, and in the year 1969, it'd be like I feel like with like the the free love movement and all that, uh, Hitler wouldn't have been too happy. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean. <laughs> They would have been smart if they would have gotten themselves closer down to Argentina, which is yeah. where all the Nazis were going towards the end of the war. So, <laughs> supposedly. Yeah, supposedly. But, you always got to throw that out there, even though, the, oh. isn't that the whole town is like all white people there and there's no other white people around? <laughs> oh, you, you're talking about the, not, not Kecksburg. You're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, in Argentina. You're talking about the. The Bavarian village in Argentina. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, they do their best, but yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's a little off. To, yeah. But that's for another, that's for another podcast. Mm. But yeah, if you look into that story, that's that little village is pretty fucking weird. <laughs> but uh, so basically this object, uh, there's a lot of different speculation on what this object could do. There's also speculation that uh, Werner Braun Braun, who was captured uh, during what's known as Paperclip. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, I've heard of that before. When the United States was uh, gobbling up all these Nazi scientists and giving them immunity mm-hmm. for all the horrible things they did. Well, I think, so there's all- I think that's actually true, though, right? Because they used him, they used one of the main scientists to help build the first rocket to go to the moon, right? Yeah, no, it was him. Okay. Oh, it was him. Okay. Paperclip was a real thing. Okay. They they actually they actually got these scientists out of Germany. The United States and Russia were competing for ger- for German scientists at the time. I mean, it's probably not the best ethical thing to do, but technically they were extremely intelligent people. You've got on yeah, I mean, well, Germany for I mean, it was known as the most advanced science. They had the most advanced everything art, literature, they were from 19, the late 1800s to the early 1900s, they were the cream of the crop in everything. They wanted to be the best in everything. Right. But basically, uh, he did help the Americans with the space program and getting to the moon, if you believe that we got to the moon. (laughs) But you have to throw that in there too. So basically, people think that uh, conspiracy theorists think that Werner Braun Braun actually helped America create uh, a new Daiglaka or bell oh, okay. for the Americans and that this is what crash landed in Pennsylvania. It was an American bell. Well, like, apparently he didn't teach him how to drive it. Uh, no. <laughs> you, you know what? I can say this. 
That actually is more plausible than <laughs> the other one, time traveling, obviously. Because technically, yes. he probably yeah. would have known how to make that thing if it existed. Yeah, basically, he would have had, what is it, 23 years to help them make this thing. It would have, I mean, you could go through a bunch of prototypes at that time. Uh, who knows if they, who knows how they fucked it up? I mean, it could be a fully functioning craft and they just put some idiot test pilots, you know, which basically all of those, all any, any, uh, like aircraft that the United States developed had to be test flight, right. test flown. Right. So how would you even, that's, it, it would be like flying nothing you've ever flown before if you were a pilot. <laughs> no wonder they crashed, you know? Yeah. I'd say they just loaded it up with Private Gomer and Private Dave and just said, all right, boys, take her off for a spin. <laughs> Good luck. Could you imagine? You try to, like, adjust your and you actually hit, like, the fucking flux capacitor and travel through time, and now you don't know where the fuck you are. You look out the window and there's dinosaurs and shit around. Like, That'd be pretty trippy. That'd be cool shit, yeah. but that'd be pretty trippy. Did I tell you I talked to somebody... And when when we're talking about the I think in our first episode, we're talking about the chronovisor and like what we'd go back and see. Someone messaged me saying that they would totally go see dinosaurs, too. So (laughs) I don't know why that made that (laughs) reminded me of that. But yeah, that's uh, it's pretty interesting. I I don't know. Well, the weird thing about it is like it's uh, supposedly this thing is supposedly so many things. It's called. Have you ever heard of what's known as a Wunderwaffe or miracle weapon that the Nazis were working on? Uh, no, I was going to say it sounds like a new type of mayonnaise, but okay, what is it? <laughs> so basically, the Nazis uh, were really trying to win this war, and anything that they could imagine, they tried to make. I mean, they made they tried to make a thousand ton tank. Hmm. They tried to make they they were developing um, jet engines. They they were uh, supposedly they were also trying to develop nukes, but they were they kind of strayed away from nuclear uh, bomb technology, mm. as did the Japanese. Um, I, I remember one of the ones that made me laugh the most was like that. They tried to make that giant air horn, for lack of a better term, so that would like I don't I think they wanted to they'd play it and it would uh, disorient all the soldiers within its field do you remember this thing yeah so they actually have this weapon now the united states well i mean it's riot control basically but Uh, it plays at a high frequency and it disrupts your equilibrium basically Mm. you throw up when you hear it (laughs) well i'm I'm saying back in the 40s obviously they were trying it but i don't think they ever got it to work who made it the germans or the japanese the germans they were working on it. Oh, the Germans were also trying on it. I, re- I remember, like, the they were showing a video of it, and it was, like, the size of a small factory. <laughs> and they were trying <laughs> to get it to, like, produce sounds to... I'm sure they wished it would, like, make people blow into pieces, but I think it was just to, like, disorient them so then they could attack them once they're, you know, disoriented or whatever. But it could nev- they could never get it to work. You would have to lure them to the fucking factory i don't know how you'd lure that many american soldiers to that factory hey they were trying god damn it 
Tell them that there's Lucky Strike cigarettes and <laughs> cheap girls inside, maybe. There's nudie mag- <laughs> magazines in here, GIs. Come get them. <laughs> <laughs> there's nudie magazines and reefer cigarettes. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah the, yeah, the Nazis were crazy with the weird shit they were trying to do. Yeah, so uh, another part of this uh, that could go along with the Kecksburg incident, uh, supposedly – all of that, uh, like the meta- all of the mercury spinning, um, and the bell itself gave out a huge amount of radiation, and all of this radiation was said to turn plants gray and kill them off and to harm human cells. So that could go along if the if the stories of radiation were true. That also could go along with the story. So a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the red line, a lot of the red string really matches up here. But you know. Okay, I mean, yeah, it's like a lot of the whole story is kind of a lot of different stories that we're trying to make sense of when the original stories, we don't know if we can even believe them in the first place. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like a. Yeah, even the official story, because in the 90s, the official story changed from a meteor to a Russian space probe. So the official story actually changed to a space probe. When, when, Even though it's been proven that uh, the space probe crash landed in Canada. So, I mean, really, who do you believe at that point? I mean, for all intents and purposes, it could have been aliens. Right. For all, you know what I mean? Like, that's just as plausible as the meteor. <laughs> when you really hear from witnesses who, who claim that the meteor slowed down, made a turn, and then landed in the woods. I mean, meteors right. don't usually do that. Generally so, not. You know what? I I heard this before, and it always made me laugh. Like, if these aliens are so advanced, and they can, from what we can tell, travel in between dimensions and all that shit, why are they always crashing? (laughs) Yeah, they're always such shitty pilots. Uh, Maybe it's like the drunk teenage aliens going out for a ride in the dad's car, and they just fucking... Hit dirt, you know. It happens. <laughs> that happens the, all the time. That's the joke that I heard along with it was like, you just imagine a UFO full of like two male aliens trying to impress two chicks and they're wasted and they just taking their dad's UFO off for a spin and then they just crash and <laughs> and then they're on display at fucking Area Fifty One, <laughs> <Yeah>. just, <laughs> just waiting for dad to come pick them up. <laughs> Any day now, pops. <laughs> all right, Phil. So. In your heart of hearts, what do you think this is? Ooh, um, that's a tough one. I'm going to say it was probably, I, I would say <laughs> it was probably some space junk that came from the probe because mm. the probe never made it out of orbit. I was thinking about this a few nights ago when I was writing this up. So that probe um, supposedly crash landed in Canada, but... The probe was probably much larger. It could have broken up into pieces, and part of it could have landed in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. The fireball across the sky, the very shallow orbit, you know, the the shallow landing, it could have um, theoretically been part of that uh, Cosmos 96 Mm. that just wasn't attached to the main probe. Like it split apart, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just speculation, really. But imagine also that this all happens in the 60s. No one really knows what's going on. An official story comes out that it's a meteor. Then the rumor mill starts. And you know how the rumor mill is in small towns. Yeah. Shit does, doesn't go away. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Now, would how would the would the ship still have radiation, or is that just a a cover up? I mean, it could just be a cover up, just to get people to stay out of the woods for a while. Hmm, yeah. Or maybe it, maybe they are worried about radiation because they have no idea. I mean, they were also worried about satellites that were um, being used to house nuclear missiles that could be shot into the oh, United States. Right. They were right. also worried about that shit too. So that that makes sense. That makes there could sense. have been a live nuke on the ground. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I sw- I I like that theory. I don't know why, but this whole thing, the probe thing, really sticks with me. Um, I could definitely see it splitting apart and like a piece of it crashed in Pennsylvania. In my heart, I yeah. wish, I hope it's aliens, but more, more often than not, it's probably not, but they're definitely hiding something. Oh yeah. Something was covered up. I yeah. mean, they don't just immediately say meteor <laughs> and lie about how many people were out there. Cause there's multiple, multiple reports yeah. about police soldiers scientists people in radiation suits people in space suits you know i mean like i was saying before the rumor mill could have taken off and really spun this hole up out of like proportions you wouldn't believe from what it really was to what it became um i mean this really split the town too like i said before people who claimed to be witness were ostracized and basically forced to stop talking about it Hmm. just to get some peace in their life and not have to move. I mean, I think technically they did accomplish their job because if you think about it, I've never heard of this and this is a pretty enthralling story. So if they were trying to cover it up, they certainly did a fairly well job of future proofing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I've, I've seen this on a couple of different shows, but it's not one of the main ufo type stories but i think it's mainly because there wasn't ever if if bill bulbosh had seen little green men laying out yeah uh from the crash scene then it would be huge or if there's any sort of it doesn't have the roswell effect yeah 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 yeah. there's no pictures there's no videos there's probably not even any recordings from the radio or anything like that so i think that one of the things that they may have learned from roswell that they used at Kecksburg was the fact that they got their story straight right away. Yeah. Just no, nope. It was a fucking meteor. Everyone shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> meteor, meteor, meteor. <laughs> Roswell, they actually allowed national newspapers to talk about this. They even allowed, uh, what was it? Government officials to claim that it might be a UFO before they changed the story. That's a good, so, that's a very valid point actually. Yeah, because the fucking sheriff was, like, playing with pieces of the ship before they got a hold of him to, like, take it all away and hide it, you know what I'm saying? In Roswell, I mean, so. They obviously aren't going to let anybody do that now. Oh, yeah, I'm surprised. If that Bill Bulbosh, if his story is true, I'm, I, I mean, the thing about his story, I don't know. He claims to have not only seen the fireball, he claims to have went out and walked and found the not the the acorn shaped object, and he claims to have been in the crowd when they all got shoot away. So it's a little I I kind of when someone just happens to be lucky that <laughs> much, you know. Yeah. When things seem too fantastic, they usually are. So I worry about that. Yeah. But I mean, if he imagine if he would have gotten seen by the soldiers out at the acorn shaped object, what would have happened to him? 
we probably wouldn't have ever heard of the legend of the great man named Bill Bolbosh, I'll tell you that much. No, who knows? (laughs) The modern day uh, fucking Davy Crockett here, Bill Bolbosh. So from listening to all of this, I'm curious, what do you think? Like, what's, uh, what do you got, like, what do you got your red string pin in? (laughs) Well, like I said, I, I, I don't know why. Something is just pulling me towards the, the Russian probe thing, because... That, to me, makes the most sense and the most logical thing that, like you said, it splintered off when it came into the atmosphere. And when it's a big ball of fire crashing over there, it is still peculiar that it was glowing blue, which is a little weird. Um, Maybe it had lights on it or something. I don't fucking know. But the most logical thing is probably that I hope it's aliens, but I'm guessing it's probably just the Russian probe. Maybe it was some sort of weird asteroid that had like a, a element that's not natural to Earth that caused it to glow blue, something like that. I don't know. What is it? Is it lithium or is it uh, doesn't something burn uh, some metal burn bright and it burns blue, doesn't it? What metal is that? Um, Is that why I know maybe maybe I'm thinking of it's bright white. Actually, I could be thinking of that. It could be. I don't know. I'm not a chemist, so I have no fucking yeah. idea. I, I feel like I kind of know what you're talking about, but I really don't know. It's on the, I'm, the moment we stop recording, I'm going to like, oh, it's that, of course. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's how it always goes. Anyway, Phil, well, that was delectable. Uh, I think people are really going to enjoy this because I guarantee not too many people have even heard of this shit. Especially I've never heard of this shit, so good job. Thank you. Yeah, it was really fun uh, looking this up, and uh, we talked about the Nazi bell last week, and I just thought, well, you know. Throw it in there. Throw it in there. Perfect. Go for round two. <laughs> Maybe that'll be our theme. We got to talk about Pittsburgh every week, and we got to talk about the Nazi bell every week. That's our goal. <laughs> That's true. We should never actually talk to anyone from Pittsburgh, <laughs> but we'll talk about Pittsburgh. That'll that'll do. If you're from Pittsburgh, please keep listening. We love you. Anyway, Phil, so if people want to te- email us their theories on what this thing is, where can they do that? So if anyone uh, wants to get a hold of us and maybe tell us uh, what their possible theories are for what happened in Kecksburg, or if they have any information on the Nazi bell, or any information that maybe I didn't give out about Kecksburg, get a hold of us at subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. No, or you can get a hold of us on Instagram at Subliminal Deception on Instagram. Yeah, go ahead. Give us a follow. Give us uh, some likes. Let us know what you think. Um, if you really want to help us out and you're enjoying the show, you can hit us up on iTunes with a nice five-star review, write something nice about us, write a few random messages on there. doesn't matter. Just as long as it's five stars, we'd really appreciate it. We know we have two people already who've helped us out. Let's keep the train of those coming. So I think that'll do it for me, Phil. Will that do it for you? Yep, that's going to be it for me. All right, well, let's get out of here. We'll see you later, guys. Thanks for the listen, guys. Bye.